We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 341. Well, they kind of threw us a curveball on Saturday night, trading for Encarnacion, or as John Sterling calls him, Encarnacion. Um, thought we were just going to have to bitch about the Yankees dropping a couple games in Chicago instead. This, uh, this makes it more interesting. Look, man, they won yesterday. Yesterday was a good day in baseball, okay? It was a very good day in baseball. Tra- uh, Jonathan Holder tried to screw it up, but... 
They just couldn't, they couldn't let it happen because it was too good of a day. Encarnacion gets dealt over. I mean, if anybody in the world of, of anything predicted that, then I want to know, uh, I want to pick your brain for lottery numbers and like stock market picks, anything, because you obviously are um, clairvoyant and you can tell the future. So that one came out of absolutely nowhere. But yesterday was good because they won a game and the starting rotation was not a factor. The pitching was a factor and it was good. And maybe I'm getting more on board with this opener thing because I believe they're five and zero now with an opener. Five and zero with Chad Green as the opener, and Chad Green. This might have been. You mean Chad? The, you mean Chad Cortez Jr. Yeah, that's uh, or sometimes Chad Cortez Jr. David Hale Senior, the third. But this might be the the best Green has looked as an opener. He struck out all six batters. He did give up a missile to Eloy Jimenez, who I guess is the newest Yankee killer member to join the Yankee killer party. But uh, yeah, Chad Green looked really good. David Cohn couldn't stop talking about how good his stuff looked. Yeah. And when Cohn gets excited, I get excited. There's, there's just nothing that can hold me back from excitement when Cohn starts getting all giddy uh, about a guy and how he's pitching, but no, he looked really good. And um, the velocity man was really there, like consistently there, probably the most consistent we've seen all year, but 97, 98 with that late movement as Cone loves to describe it's uh, it's, it's the old Chad green and what he looked like. And, and also going to winnings old Chad green. I suppose we should mention we're recording Sunday morning. So because of father's day, because of a few, a uh, few work things um, we're unable to record together after the Sunday game. Yeah, so we're a little early. I have to travel for work. I have to go to uh, Aniston Air Force Base for the next couple of days. So You're allowed to say that? Yeah, I'm allowed to say that. I just can't tell you exactly where I'm going to be on that base. <laughs> and I can't take my cell phone into the places that I'm going to be. So uh, I will be I will be losing touch. There, there will be not much communication during the day from me. Right. Well, it's uh, so, yeah, we're talking about the Saturday night Yankees win, which was preceded by two ugly losses to the White Sox and the one on Thursday night really got to me I don't know about you but you're you start that game off with a four nothing lead Hap is cruising through three innings and he's throwing change-ups and again David Cohn was talking about how good his change-up looked on the broadcast and then all of a sudden in the fourth inning he just completely locked lost the strikes and what did he throw I think it was nine straight balls at one point eight or nine straight balls in the fourth inning he escaped that trouble then he comes back out for the fifth inning, doesn't have it. Eloy Jimenez hits a, th- or excuse me, Tim Anderson hits a three-run home run. I just assumed it was Eloy Jimenez because he hit three-run home runs all all day on Friday. Um, but that game switched in the blink of an eye, and the Yankees blew a chance against Evan Nova, who sucks, to win Game One of that series. Yeah, but the thing is, is that the the, um, the writing was on the wall for what happened was going to what was going to happen there because the the inning before that. You know, he got in, he had a bases loaded jam that he eventually got out of. You could tell that he was struggling with his command, even uh, in the fourth. So for me, I'm looking at, okay, now I see that Hap is losing command. I've seen this, this, this song play out in the past, and I better be ready for it not to come back. And if it doesn't come back, I should make a, a move. And, and let's, let's get into the bullpen and, um, and keep this game at bay. Because again, four nothing lead, you want to keep that game. He got out of it in the fourth inning, uh, you know, 
but the fifth inning was looming. And now when you're seeing control issues, there was nobody up. That's, that's, that's my problem. There was nobody up ready to, to, to take control of this game or at least attempt to take control of this game. If we saw more control issues coming out uh, of the gate in the fifth inning. And that's, that's, so, that's where I have the, the issue. I'm like, I'm looking at half. I'm like, yeah, I could tell that it wasn't working. Everybody could tell that it wasn't working. Why wasn't Boone looking at that and saying, hey, this isn't working. Let's get somebody up. I can tell what happens. I'm going to put my team in a, uh, a place of success, uh, at least a chance for success, and not write out a guy who doesn't have it. Sometimes I think Boone looks at the scoreboard, and whatever the score is and whatever the inning is, that's how he makes the pitching decisions. Because you look up at the scoreboard, and it's 4 to nothing Yankees, and your starting pitcher is still in there. So he's saying, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go to anyone. But... Anyone watching the game at home knew Hap was didn't have it anymore. You have to have someone warming up. Just like I think sometimes he goes to a certain pitcher depending on the score. Jonathan if Holder would have been up in a 4-0 game. But if it's if the Yankees are down 3 to, 3 to 2, Holder comes in automatically. It's a one-run game. You don't have confidence your offense can come back and then usually what happens is Holder comes in, puts a few men on base and then it's a 5 to 2 game and it's a completely different scenario when the Yankees are Tied her head versus even just down by one run. The game is managed entirely different. Yeah, I don't know. Either way, it's it's a it's it's one of those things when you're looking at Hap. I mean, Hap's been been much better uh, of recent. They've won a lot of his starts. And but do you fully do you are you going to put your full trust in Jay Hap? In what? In in in, in pitching well the rest of the season? Yeah, I think he's no, going to be in, fine. In <laughs> in a four in, work, in working through in working through something. Yes, normally, but when I see the control issues, then then no, I think control issues well, you're are contradicting are a yourself thing. because on the one hand you're saying that Boone should have had someone up ready to go to get out yes, of that game. Yes, he should have. Okay, so then you don't trust J Hap. No, I do trust J Hap in the long term, but I, like I just said, if you see control issues that are not that are not going away, then then that's it. Like you tried to do it in the fifth inning, he came back out, tried to to get back the the control, couldn't do it. You should have somebody warming up. So. So yeah, there's a level of, of letting a guy get through something, and there's also the point where you have to make that move, or God, just get someone ready in case that move has to happen. You know, on a on on a whim, you know, like a three run home run, things like well, that's that. That's the thing; it happened on a three run home run. You knew Hap was going to give up a home run at some point. You just were hoping it wasn't with two men on base. So do you not let him face Anderson? No, I don't. The, he, Anderson's probably their their best offensive all around he might be the best all around player this this season so far you don't let I, you don't let Hap face him no no I definitely don't I see what happened in the last inning before and I see what's what's happening in the fifth and that he's got control issues and I am having somebody ready to go and, and especially for one of their best hitters if not their best hitter uh Tim Anderson yeah I'm, yeah I don't disagree with I don't disagree with that but that would obviously mean that someone was needed to warm up early in that fifth inning and there wasn't like you said which is a mistake uh, and there was an off day Thursday, so what's the excuse? It's not like you're dealing with a with a spent bullpen. There wasn't just an off day on Thursday. There was a rainout on Tuesday, so they had they had a lot of Monday, rain Monday, Monday doubleheader Tuesday. But but so they had a, that was a weird doubleheader. It was so lopsided in both games that you didn't have to. There was no it's taxing. not like anyone pitched twice. There was no taxing it, on the. Bullpen. It was like a normal. It was like a normal day. It was a very very nice cushy week for the bullpen. Is what I'm saying. Getting up to that point. It was a cushy week. It was nice. You know, they had a, they, they were playing a lot of, uh, you know, little bullpen games in the, in the back there, doing all the, the things that Ben Heller told us about. Lots of, yeah. lots of interesting games and, and, uh, and funny things that they're doing back there. Women are dropping themselves into the bullpen, shaking hands. 
throwing seeds in cups. Throwing that was, seeds that was, in that cups. That was a big game, right? Yeah, playing uh, playing whatever whatever bullpen game you can make up on this time. Um, this was uh, so the Yankees were twenty five and one when having a four run lead in a game, four plus run lead, and the White Sox were one and twenty two when trailing by four or more runs in a game. So, you want to say it with me, Scott? Go ahead. That's baseball, Susan. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it doesn't happen. You know what I mean? It's the law of averages. Do. Do matters. But, but what we also saw in this game is Adovino give up a home run, and that was the, the game-clinching home run. He threw 30-plus pitches in that inning and couldn't get out of it. No, he just he didn't look good, and, and you could tell that something was going on with him because he was throwing so many damn pitches. And, uh, yeah, he gave it up. So, look, th- this is what's happening right now. We're, we're seeing a, a bullpen that's being taxed we're, because the starting rotation is injured and is not performing. So now that is their trickle-down effect is, is in 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 effect right now it's happening we're seeing guys um probably get more work than they have in the past at this point in their uh in the season and you know they're being used a lot so these regressions are going to happen they're they're it's just uh, it ha- it has to happen the reason this i think was an unacceptable loss is because you knew you're facing giolito the next night with sabathia who's been struggling you went up against ivan nova who had the highest era I think didn't he have the highest ERA among starting pitchers in in baseball? I don't know if it was amongst baseball. I'm not sure, but it was in this. I think it was like a six or something. No, six point two eight. Yeah, so you're facing Ivan Nova. You get four runs off of him. Not great. You don't score off their bullpen, and they don't even have their closer available that night. I mean, that, a, that plays to his ERA, doesn't it? What the runs that you got off of Nova plays to his ERA? Yeah, I guess so. But it does still <laughs> when you see when you see six plus ERA and an ex Yankee. You gotta you gotta hit him around. You had chances to hit him around. Yeah, I mean, their uh, the ERA was even higher if you look at four runs off of off of Nova. I I I just um, look. It's it's a, it was one of those games that was that was just a a lost opportunity, and and I think he just stayed with have too long. That was the the bottom line. But those are gonna happen. And and it kind of played out how you knew it was gonna play out. Giolito comes out and shuts down the Yankees, and Sabathia has absolutely nothing in the first two innings of that game, and, and it, that game's over after the second inning. You know, well, to Sabathia's credit, he did pitch a little bit deeper than I was expecting. But we're, we haven't seen uh, really, a, 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 except for his first start back from the, the injured list, we haven't really seen anything good from him uh, as far as, you know, coming out there and putting something together. And I'm really concerned that this knee is still an issue, even after this cortisone shot, after the, the treatment that he normally gets, that everybody basically defaulted to the fact, oh, he gets it every year, no problem. Why wouldn't he be fine this year? Well, because Father Time changes year by year when you get up into this age it just it does there's a ton of of wear and tear on your body and this late in your career things are different they just are i mean shit i am now 39 years old and i feel different than i did last year you could just tell at this point when your body starts feeling weird when you're go through even when you're going through the same things you're doing the exact same thing you did last year it just feels a little different and i can only imagine what that is like for a professional athlete who's coming out there and trying to compete at a high level they're kind of in a tough spot with him because I think if you had a healthier rotation, you'd see them put him back on the IL and leave him there a little bit longer to try and get that knee healthy for August, September, October. But they can't afford to take another member of the rotation, an already completely thin rotation, and put him on the injured list. You can't just 
you you can't do that right now. Well, they're not. That doesn't mean like you put him on the injured list right now for R and R to get that knee back to a point. It's not going to really do shit because once you start bringing him back out, the knee's going to flare up again. It, the knee's a problem. It's not going away. It's not going away with a month rest. It's it's a it's a problem. Well, he that's had ten have. days rest last time, and he came out and pitched. He well, had ten in days rest and a, and, a, and a quarter zone shot. <laughs> okay, so so. Doctor so, Scott, yes. Does, what I'm telling does, you is, is does that thirty the, days and a quarter zone shot last longer than ten days in a quarter zone shot? No. The problem is, is that he still has now issues after the quarter zone shot. That's the problem. Which means to me that that knee is at a point now where not going to get much better at all, and it's going to be a problem for the rest of the season. So you you rest it for a month. Great. It'll feel good probably when he first gets out there, and then as soon as he does anything to tweak it. You know, we're back to square one again. So the knee's a problem. That's just it. It's not going away. It's never going to get better. Uh, not in his playing career, at least. You know, him him stop playing baseball, maybe shedding a few pounds, that would probably help his knee. No, he tried that. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't pitch. His knee was feeling better, but he couldn't pitch without, without the weight. Life yeah, in so life. You're stuck, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. No, my a point, fat man, a fat man and a healthy knee. My point is, is that when he retires, he's probably going to shed a few pounds. Knee will feel better. That's it. That's what's going to make the knee feel better. Shedding pounds I'm sure and not his playing knee, baseball. I'm sure everyday life, his knee is fine. You walk around and, and you just deal with a little bit of soreness. But when you're out there trying to pitch, it's a little bit harder. Well, right. You're saying the same things I'm saying. I don't know what you're talking about here. It's not going to get better. That's the point. A okay, quarter zone so shot it's not going to get better. A quarter zone so, shot gave him temporary relief. That's what it is. And it was way more temporary than it had been in the past. And if that's what we're seeing now is him having a balky knee even after this quarter zone shot and still going around and not pitching well because of the knee, then we're not getting much better from here on. That's just so. Then my question to you is, what do they do with him? You don't. You you pit. You roll him out until when he's healthy, when he claims he's healthy, and you hope that he can pitch well. There's no other options. But but. You're rolling him out there knowing he's going to not really give you a good chance to win right now. The thing we have Andrew, defended answer your own Sabathia, answer, answer your own question, please. You have to take him out of the rotation. Okay, so you who are you to, putting in? I, I don't know. That, so there, I, there's no answer. That's the problem. If you give Cortez Jr. I know Cortez Jr. goes hand-in-hand hand with, hand in hand with um, Chad Green, but he looked pretty good last night against the same lineup that uh, Sabathia looked terrible against. I, all I'm saying is I know what Sabathia is right now, and it's not good enough to win. So try something different. The definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Sending Sabathia out there for his next start, which is going to be against the Houston Astros. I mean, That's a, insane. A, lot, a lot of people could say that if you throw CC Sabathia out there, first of all, everybody in baseball is going to tell you that – if he says he's healthy, they expect him to figure it out because he's CC Sabathia and that he can execute those pitches and and he's just going to get better because that's what he does. He figures things out. So you're you're saying take him out. Nobody's going to do that unless there's a health concern. And if we're also yeah. talking about him going up against better competition, well, we've seen time and time again a guy that's struggling or not doing so hot with CC Sabathia game up for these big outings because that's the kind of competitor he is. So there's a lot of fallback answers to, to combat what you're saying as well. Yeah, I know. They're probably not going to just pull him from the rotation unless it's under the disguise of, of an injury. They're not going that. to. They're, because they want to save face with him. This is his final season. He, I, he is a, a great Yankee. I'm not taking that away from him. And what we've defended Sabathia for, what I've defended Sabathia for over the last two seasons is the fact that 
he figures it out. He's been a stopper for this team. He he can give you five innings, sometimes six innings, and keep you in a game. That's what you want out of your number five starter. But he didn't give you a chance to even sniff that game on Friday. No, he did. He actually came back out and, and pitched okay after he gave up it the, was, uh, the immediate it was runs. five to one after the second inning. Yep. Okay? And Giolito was shoving the bats down your throat. You had no chance in that game. Well, that's because of Giolito. They they got the void home run Sabathia and then he settled up, down. And it's because Sabathia gave up five, five runs in the first two innings. I just don't understand where this is going because there's nobody else to take the spot. I told you where it's going. You have to you have <laughs> to try something different. They have to use Nestor Cortez on the, fo- on, on the following day because they have no other starting pitcher. There's nowhere to go right now. That's that's the problem. Well, then, then what you're going to find yourself is a problem where this team is going to struggle to even stay afloat before they get starters back. Well, they're doing okay yesterday, and that's when Nestor Cortez was in there. Chad Green looked like the guy that they wanted him to do, whether it's in the first inning or they eventually slot him back into the sixth, seventh inning. He's the guy that we, we thought he was coming into the year, a dominant guy, locates that fastball, 97-98. And then Cortez, who's been, you know, the a really good story this year has come out and, and gave them a lot of length, but you did see him hit a, hit a, hit a wall, um, you know, in the, I think it was the eighth inning. It was the eighth inning. If so, it was into his sixth inning of work. Yes. Yes. But, but you know what? I mean, he gave them five shutout innings. Yeah. And he was great. Well, he ended, ended up giving up two on the, um, on his, on his box score, but yeah, he gave up, he gave up, Soft hits, uh, and when he was giving them up, I mean, he was changing locations. I think the guy like Cortez, if he can find, if he can pitch to um, the strike zone, major league hitters are going to have a hard time on him just because he changes arm angles, changes velocity, um, can throw a bunch of pitches. He's just very different, a different look than you see in in, in major league baseball where the guy's uh, throwing you know high heat uh, at you all the time. Listen, I don't think Nestor Cortez is the next big thing. I'm no, not he's not the that. next big thing, but he's a, he's a good little changeup guy. Right. So, and I, I, do you think they're going to go bullpenning more than once a week? Once, once every five? I don't think they can. You could still use Chad Green because he can go two innings again in two days, but you got to use someone else than Nestor Cortez behind him. Yeah, maybe it's the David Hale uh, Nestor the Cortez bullpen, show. See, the key to bullpenning, and I think it's something that isn't talked about, at least wasn't talked about with the Rays last year, is that yes, they would go with somebody to start the first inning and go one innings, maybe two. But there was always someone to give you three to four, maybe five innings in the middle of that game. Yeah, I mean David Hill's been that guy recently. So Hale and Cortez, and Cortez have been the two last night. have been the two guys that they can look to for those uh, those middle those middle innings to eat them up. But you're, they do need those. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Sabathia, if he does go on the injured list, he's going to use a sleep number bed. Maybe that gets him his knee feeling pretty good. Maybe you guys out there have considered a sleep number bed but thought you couldn't afford one. But can you really afford to be tossing and turning on your old mattress, compromising your sleep? The answer is definitely no. There's never been a, t- a better time to save on proven quality sleep. It's the lowest prices of the season right now at your nearest sleep number store. Um, so many couples I know disagree on mattress firmness. Well, the sleep number 360 smart bed lets you choose your ideal firmness on each side. So it's just right for the both of you. Maybe you're interested in adjusting your pillow too. I know you and I, Scott, have those pillows and you can adjust them from like level one, two, and three, depending on the, uh, the thickness of pillow that you like. I'm a number two guy. What are you? I'm definitely a number one guy. I can't. You're number one guy. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. like the pancake pillow? Not a big, not a big firm pillow guy. It throws off my uh, my spinal arrangement. Interesting alignment. Okay. What do you do with the other two? 
my wife uses them actually. Bonus pillow. Bonus pillow. Nice dog. It's a great dog bed too. If you need that's a, it's, it's a it's an expensive dog bed, but dog, <laughs> the, the dogs love them as well. Damn, your your dog is sleeping well. <laughs> Sleep Number has been ranked number one in customer satisfaction with uh, with mattresses by JD Power. For the 2018 award information, visit jdpower.com. Scott, what can people do to find out about Sleep Number? Go in during the lowest prices where a Queen Sleep Number 360 C4 be- smart bed is only $1,299, save 400 bucks, only for a limited time. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of the 575 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find the one nearest you at sleepnumber.com slash Bronx. So this is the point in the podcast where we're going to pause, right? And I may come back and talk to you about Sunday's game, or I might not come back and talk to you about Sunday's game, depending on what happens. That's You may hear from Andrew, you may not. You may hear me back again. Let's see, the magic of editing. If Sunday is a boring game, you're probably not going to hear from me. If, if James Paxton goes out there and does something special or if the Yankees win it like in extra innings, you're probably going to hear from me. If there's something bad that happens, you can damn well expect to hear uh, this kid come on and bitch about it for at least three minutes. You can take that to the bank. Okay, it is now Sunday after the Yankees win. They blew out the White Sox, and it's a damn good thing they did because... Had you lost three out of four to the White Sox, who I understand have some talent, but they have talent. They're not a good team. Having talent and being a good team are different things. And the Yankees are a good team. The White Sox are not. So to get out of there with a split after the way the series started, I think was very important. Um, I was looking for Hap to improve upon what we've seen the first three times since he came back from the I.L., I mean, obviously, how can you not improve after the debacle against the Mets his last time out? But he 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 improved in the sense that he got deep into the game. He threw, I think it was 108 pitches, and he got through six innings. And we have not seen that happen yet since he came off the IL because his first time out, he only went four innings, and then his uh, he pitched well against San Diego. That was uh, the game he struck out seven or eight batters in four innings, and then his next two times out, he got hit hard. So he wasn't allowed to go deep in the game because he also wasn't um, rebuilt up with the arm strength. So today we saw him go deeper into the game. And this should be a good thing moving forward for him to be the pitcher he can be. Like the pitcher we saw before he went on the IL. Um, he and Tanaka need to carry this rotation while they're waiting for Severino to come back. And they're waiting for either a trade or maybe Montgomery can be a dark horse. I don't know. I, I don't even like saying that Montgomery's going to be contributing because he's such an unknown factor. I understand Severino's an unknown too, but we have to, I guess, trust the reports that he's progressing and they're expecting him back after the All-Star break. Whereas Montgomery, even if he's, you know, let's just say August 1st is the day he's going to come back. We don't know what the hell he's going to be. He could... He could just be getting crushed out there because he's coming back from Tommy John surgery and he needs to figure out how to pitch again. So he could be figuring his shit out in the minors for the rest of the season. So what good does that do you? So really, Tanaka and Paxton need to carry the rotation until they can get Severino back. And then you have three guys. Then you have three front quotes. I'm using air quotes, front end starters going forward in the season. And that, and then that makes the rotation look a hell of a lot better. Um, 
the uh, the offense killed the White Sox pitching today. The five run rally was great because there was a ton of two out hits, and um, Romine had two two big hits with runners in scoring position. I know Gardner had a big hit with runners in scoring position. Um, Maben hit a home run. It um, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because you see these guys like Gardner getting the hit and Maben getting the home run. They both know like they're they're starting days their playing time is going to be seriously impacted when they get Encarnacion on this roster which should happen Monday and then Stanton should happen Tuesday maybe Wednesday and then Judge maybe in a week or eight nine days Scott and I talk about this a lot more in the podcast um, coming up but the roster decisions that they're going to make is going to be very interesting Um, it it was a good win it's an easy win. Nice, nice Father's Day victory. I was actually with my dad today. I was trying to get him on the podcast. I know you guys want to hear him on the podcast. I, I was thinking about tricking him too and not even telling him I was pressing record. But, um, you know, I think he might maybe is better off just left as a legend of, of the text message to tweet out game. But uh, we were watching the U.S. Open as we were listening to John and Susan and I had the Yankee game also up on my up on my laptop so it was a it was a good easy victory today and um got out of chicago with the split before the um very important home home stand coming up and as i was just finishing up that portion i saw the news that clint frazier was optioned back to triple a to make room for incarnation tomorrow and then I guess it's being reported that talkman will likely be sent down once Stanton is activated whether that's on Tuesday or Wednesday this, listen, I understand, we understand why this is happening. It's because they, Clint Frazier, if he is such an unsure defensive player, he is not a backup outfielder. He is, he he primarily brings offense to this team. That is his value to this team. Well, you're, re, you're adding offense to this team with Encarnacion. So Clint Frazier doesn't really have a role. His time is going to be seriously impacted when all these outfielders are back and he doesn't really give you any value off the bench because he can't play defense you can't trust him to go into a game late and play a solid right field or a solid left field Maben on the other hand can do that Maben has really impressed them since playing for this team he seems to come up with clutch hits he plays a solid defense he can run the bases there's a role for that kind of player on this team. I still don't think Maben has a longer-term role on this team because Judge or or the the outfield is Judge, Hicks, Stanton, and then probably Gardner. But who knows? For the time being, Maben, Maben is safe. Frazier has been voted off of the island, and Maben is safe for the time being. Scott and I get into this all in depth with the impact that Encarnacion has on the roster. So we didn't necessarily expect Frazier to be sent down right now but that looks like the move I still think Frazier might be flipped I think there might be a move coming for some pitching he might be flipped for some pitching we'll see but he's back to Scranton for now okay and we're back and um hope you enjoyed my rant or you didn't enjoy my rant so Judge and Stanton were both rehabbing in Durham with Scranton this weekend, and it was it was pretty cool, actually. We had two guys with media access down there wearing Bronx pinstripes gear. I know some people were tweeting us saying, who are these guys on the field? You guys are everywhere. Shout out to Tim and Matt, who are both uh, behind the scenes down in Durham. 
Yeah, they had a they had just a an awesome an awesome weekend. Um, I'm I'm super happy that they had a, an opportunity to do that. But it's cool because when you're in a minor league, when you're in a minor league game and you have media access, you could pretty much go anywhere. You could do anything. You it's 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 really wide open. It's very different from um, you know the major league parks. But they were able to get down uh, next to the dugout, some get some awesome footage, and uh, and then had access afterwards to Judge and Stanton. Yeah, we had Matt Krantz actually ask Stanton the the question about Voight in the home run derby. So. Uh, his cherry was popped. Was asking asking questions to uh, a pro player. That was awesome. Um, and then Tim was in there doing a lot of live and uh, and just a ton of access. So good, good on those guys. Uh, they both live in the Durham area, so we're able to get down there and uh, and get to those games. But yeah, a lot of lot of people involved with Bronx Pinstripes. That's the beauty about of, about about what we are. We're uh, just a large community of fans that. Uh, that all have something in common. We're all big Yankees fans and we like to, you know, kind of share content and do all these things. So it's, it's the beauty of what we've built here. Yeah. And these guys are like, so Tim was down in spring training when we were there in, in March and hung out with us, came to the games with us. And then now is doing video editing for stadium. Not not only that, I came down early uh, to spring training on, on Thursday, I think it was. And um, I got there earlier than I was expecting. So I was, I was able to get there in time to go to the Blue Jays park and watch a game. And I wasn't expecting to get down there for the game. So I wrote it on our Facebook group. I was like, hey, anybody down here want to go to the game? Tim popped up. He's like, yeah, I'll go. And within 45 minutes, Tim was picking me up at the airport. I had bought a couple tickets and we went to the game together. I'd never met him in my life. He had never met me in, my, in his life. It's a very cute mandate. And, and we are, and we are, uh, <laughs> we are off to the Blue Jays stadium and watch uh, a game. And then, yeah. And then he hung out for the rest of the weekend. Um, and he's come on board doing some video editing and stuff. So this is how it is, man. This, this is the beauty, beauty, beauty of, uh, of this, of this fan base and kind of the Bronx pinstripes crew and how we all kind of come together for, for one, one, uh, one obsessive, obsessive hobby. <laughs> and Matt is, uh, been helping us out in the Facebook group, the Bronx pinstripe show Facebook group, being a moderator in that group. There's a lot of stuff that gets posted and some stuff that has to get declined for good reason. Matt is one of the guys that helps us out back there. So, and he was in the events a long time ago. I mean, he went to the 2017 wildcard game with his dad as well. So he's been to a bunch of events with his dad uh, and just recently moved down to Durham from the Jersey area. But we could see Stanton back by Tuesday and judge back later in the homestand, maybe for the Houston series. Maybe his first game back is June 22nd, Bronx Pinstripes event. Hey, man. I think that would be extremely fitting. You, you thought maybe we'd get Keuchel. <laughs> Yankees are going to one-up you and say you get Judge. Yeah, and uh, and who knows who else. We get Judge. Uh, we're probably going to get Judge, most likely. We'll, Stanton should be up by then. And Carnacion will be there. I mean, the shirts that, that the shirts that I made last week before any of this was announced, before even the rehabs were announced, were Houston, you have a problem. And uh, fully loaded. The, Yankee, or the uh, Bombers are fully loaded. And, I mean talk about backing up a shirt like damn we got every, pretty much all of our big bats plus the american league current home run uh the the, the leader for for home runs and, and encarnacion is going to be there as well so yeah fueled ready to go well the fact that stanton is most likely going to be back by tuesday and judge a week behind him makes this encarnacion trade a lot more interesting and a lot more shocking because if you're if we're looking at 
a, like a longer delay for one of these guys, then you can get it. You, you're bringing in a right-handed power bat to be a DH to fill that void of not having Judge or Stanton. But we're right around the corner from those guys returning. So I was pretty shocked when I saw when I saw this uh, Encarnacion news. Well, I think everybody was too because the other the other thing about him is that uh, as far as position, I mean, it's a lot of redundancy, right? It's a first baseman that's a right-handed bat. Uh, so we got that. We are we already have a guy that that can do that, and then also and's doing it well. And like, he's doing Wood's it well. Having and a solid w- season, not a solid season. He's literally the the leader in All Star voting for first base. I mean, he's the guy right. right now. I mean, he's not having as good of an offensive season as Encarnacion is having, but Luke Voigt has proven that he he is the guy from last year. He is he is capable yes. of being a major league first baseman and a very good offensive major league first baseman. And the other thing for, for Encarnacion is that he's first base and he's an average defender at first base. It's not like he's a, a detriment over there at first. And then he's a DH and we're probably going to see him a lot at DH, but that's the thing. When you have Judge and Stanton both coming back from injury, you'd think that that shuffle and that rotation at DH is going to be a solid thing to get these guys a little bit more rest. But you add Encarnacion to the mix now. I mean, you're either getting him in at first or getting him in at DH because he's an everyday bat. He's a, another oh, yeah. another guy that you have to shuffle around, similar to what LeMahieu is, where you have to find a, a position for him so that his bat's in there as well. Um, so I, I think now we're looking at Aaron Boone with a very, very interesting job. I mean, I don't... It's not like he doesn't have good options. He's got a lot of good options. Not really many bad things you can do, but... Man, it's like a little league lineup in the sense that you got to get everybody two innings. You know what I mean? Like you got to find playing time for all of these guys. Well, I think Encarnacion. I mean, listen, he's a great offensive player. He's having a good season. Twenty-one home runs, leading the American League, a one forty OPS plus. I want that bet in in the Yankees lineup. Like, do not mistake me at all. But adding him to this roster crunches the roster. It makes it difficult to navigate things because you have uh, Frazier who. I don't know what's his what, what what is he at this point? Is he going to get traded for some pitching because he's also having a good offensive year? Not the same offensive year as Encarnacion. He's got a 124 OPS plus, but he's proven he can be a very very good offensive player. I mean, right? I mean, dude, he's right now. What I'm looking at, and I know I I do believe that this Encarnacion is a, is a move setting up something else. I mean, it, that's the only thing that makes sense to me is that there's exactly. there's another move coming around the corner. And probably one of the bats that we're looking at now is going to be going away uh, via trade. And and, and well, you got to it has you, to be Clint. You got to look at Clint Frazier. He's the guy. Um, but but when you're looking at at roster lineup and makeup of this team, it's unfortunate to me because because if I'm if you're asking me who I would rather have that complements this lineup better, uh, Encarnacion or Clint Frazier offensively. I honestly like Clint Frazier better in this lineup. I know Encarnacion hits the ball out at a higher clip, but we got plenty of those home run guys. Frazier has been hitting like a, a fiend with runners in scoring position. He's been finding gaps. He I'm hits looking the ball up Encarnacion's out. runners in scoring. I, I should have looked this up. I'm looking it up right now. All right, so so he's the guy that can make a lot of contact and spray the ball, and I like that, and that's the same reason why we wanted um, LeMahieu, and I think that LeMahieu was such a compliment to this lineup because LeMahieu is that kind of guy. Hits a lot, makes a lot of contact, will hit in runners with runners in scoring position, doesn't hit a ton of long balls, but can spray the ball. And to me, when you're looking at a lineup, especially looking forward, if you're looking at a postseason lineup, when you're facing the best pitchers, you need guys that can make contact and, and come through in big key situations. And yes, the ball can leave the ballpark, no doubt about it. But I like my contact guys to be to be sprinkled in there with the home run guys. And guess what? We already have a lot of home runs. 
And they're going to get more home runs when Stanton and Judge come back. Yeah. And they're going to get more strikeouts. So, I mean, looking up runners and scoring stats, it's it's like these things could change. Uh, Encarnacion this season is batting three twenty seven with runners in scoring position, and he's got a, a one one point one three one OPS in the, in those situations. So he's having he's having a really good offensive year, um, pretty much by any metric that you look at. Yeah. Uh, but so this means Stanton's left fielder, Hicks is center fielder, Judge is right fielder, Voit and or. Encarnacion are DH in first base. Um, Gardner, fourth outfielder, because he can play yeah. left field and center field well. And I think with more rest, you're going to see a better Brett Gardner than the, than you've seen on an everyday player. You can't keep – as good as Cameron Mabin has been, you're not keeping Cameron Mabin. And you can't keep Clint Frazier as the fourth outfielder because defense is the weakest part of his game. No, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. You're looking at – um. I mean, Maben has value, but not not much. Not for he's built value at this point. Uh, so you're probably going to get. Who would you rather right have up. as the fourth out, outfielder, Gardner or Maben? It would it would be really difficult for me to tell you that I, I would prefer Maben over Gardner at this point, only because Gardner is um, <laughs> honestly just just because he's been here for he's a he's a it's hard if I'm looking at the two players right now and the and and what they've done throughout their career Brett Gardner is a much better player than Cameron Maben this year we've seen a good Cameron Maben who's come out and really surprised everybody but if you're looking at what what Gardner has done as well he's I mean he's got what 11 12 home runs uh, on the season too he plays good defense he's literally he's, he's been all or nothing he either hits a home run or he doesn't get a hit he's got he's got the speed I mean he can run the bases as, as well if not better than anybody on this team right now so uh, I'm still sticking with Gardner for sure and he can play center field yeah and I mean I, I think maybe could as well but I, I can't logically <laughs> I cannot pick Cameron Maven over Brett Gardner I just can't right so then you're looking at the bench being Brett Gardner Gio Urshela and Austin Romine yeah that's, what, it, that's I, it. I think Encarnacion does add value to the team but he also really limits the flexibility of this roster which has been preached for a long time that's 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 what's making this this that's what i saw this move i'm like it it's just very puzzling and maybe maybe this was a, a case of opportunity maybe this was a case that that um uh, brian cashman called over and depoto was like okay i'll take one one then or however the hell you pronounce his last name theme believe it's theme tian whatever it is you the guy that that already got traded uh you know, for Nick Rumbelow and uh, somebody else in that trade a couple years ago. You're looking at this as like, what, what are you doing? What, what's happening in this trade? It's a money grab, but it's not even that much money. It's not even that much money that's being saved in Seattle. So Half. Half of the 15. I mean, so he, he's owed $15 million for the rest of the season, plus a $5 million buyout. Yeah. Because I don't think the Yankees are going to be paying him $20 million next year. No. Um, so the Yankees are essentially paying... Uh, 12 and a Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's a it's a money it's a money situation, but I think Cashman at this point saw an opportunity to add a big bat that gives him possibly more. Uh, so maybe there's more flexibility now to make a deal. And if we're looking at flexibility on the field, not really. But when we're looking at um, the flexibility for Cashman to make a move and the sense that he has a bat ready to go, yeah, I, I could see that. And and they 100% need starting pitching. We all know that. So you have to give something to get something. And and now there's a little bit more flexibility for him to give up a bat. A lot more yeah. flexibility, really. Because if he's trading Clint Frazier's bat away, you're replacing it with Edwin Encarnacion, and that's fine. For this year. For this year. Yeah. 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 Um, 
But because they're adding the seven and a half million dollars uh, for this year, it looks like they're going to be over that two hundred twenty-six million dollar tax bracket that we talked about last week. They're still well under the top tax bracket of two hundred and forty-six. But people are saying so. You have the uh, budget flexibility to add and Edwin Encarnacion, but not to add something you actually need on this team, a starting pitcher, Dallas Keuchel. So I, I think that's a fair criticism if we don't see a trade for a pitcher sometime soon. Well, we are going to see a, a trade for a pitcher. It has to happen. And again, I, I don't want to rehash this whole Keuchel thing, but uh, I'm, I'm still at the point where I, I do believe there was something else in this situation that, that wasn't just money. I, there, there had to have been because, um, one, there was no opportunity for the Yankees to increase their offer. And, and two, if you're going to do it over that much, that small amount, and the Yankees didn't, it doesn't make any sense. So I firmly believe that Keuchel either went to his agent and said that if it's close, I'll go to Atlanta, or I prefer Atlanta anyway, let's not even go to the Yankees. And, and I think that's, that's kind of how it played out. Because if it's a money thing, no, it doesn't make sense. And just hearing Cashman's comments, it sounds like they would have been more aggressive if it was a money thing. Yeah, and if you guys want to go see Edwin Encarnacion, be a Yankee, member of the Yankees sometime this week, or see Stanton make his return and Judge make his return, the best way to do that is to use SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the, to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if there's a site... Uh, so what if the site's annoying and doesn't have events that you want? Hello, status quo. The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticket sites actually cared? SeatGeek is a website that cares. You can know that by just looking at their app in the App Store. It's got 50,000 five-star reviews. You know that's good customer service. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web. They rate the deal on a scale of 1 to 10. SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. I love the app. It is... I, I honestly log on to the app at least once a week just to check out Yankees tickets, check out the green deals. Can I sit close to the field for an affordable price? Usually midweek you can. Definitely uh, SeatGeek is the way to go if you're trying to do that. Yeah, no, it's a good thing, especially if you're looking for, for game tickets at the last minute. You can scan through. It's easily the UI is really good, like you said, with the colors. Uh, if you see a green deal, uh, you're probably getting a, a better deal now with that green mark than you are anywhere else. So you can jump on it, especially if you're leaving work and trying to just catch a game. Or if you're at a opposing stadium and looking for a game, it's a great way to scan quickly and find out. I've used it for, for Yankees tickets. I've used it for Jets tickets. I've told you in the past, I've used it for Springsteen tickets. It's just a great place to, to, to do that. Um, SeatGeek will even give you guys $10 off for your first SeatGeek purchase for listening to our show. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BRONX for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's promo code BRONX for 10 bucks off your first purchase. So I was going to talk about Kendris Morales going on to the IL with a calf strain, but now that they traded for Encarnacion, I really don't care. Like it's, 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 it's even more of a moot point now. Yeah, I mean, it means nothing. First of all, with Stanton coming back and you see Morales going to the DL, it's just a – or the IL, sorry. It's a um, – it's just one of those moves you're like, oh, okay, I see what's happening. Why did they I even do it in the here. first place, though? Like, why even bother? He wasn't hitting. He's got a calf strain because last episode you, you gave me shit for not talking about his three-hit game and the fact that he ran the bases. Well, yeah, what happens when he runs the bases is he pulls a calf muscle. Have you seen the um, Have you seen the clip? I tweeted it out, but I'm sure people have seen it in the past because he's done it in the past. Of Ravel, Darren Ravel running the the, yeah. the forty. Oh my god, it's it's one of the most awkward things I've ever seen. I mean, I've never seen a shorter stride with like tighter hamstrings. Or I, it looks <laughs> it looks like he has a rope around his legs and he's running because it's it's like a shuffle. I don't even understand how humans run. It looks like a 
just like a weird robot running. Uh, but that's yep. but that's how I, I said that. Uh, I imagine like Larry Rothschild running. Kendris Morales kind of runs like that. Just, well, you know what the difference between Darren Ravel and Kendris Morales is? Not much. One of them's a professional athlete by <laughs> trade, yeah. and the other is not. When they're running, not much. Okay, it's very strange. It's just strange looking. So Morales is currently still on the roster. He's on the injured list, but he's gone as soon as someone comes back. He made he made it to be twenty players who have appeared on the IL this season for the Yankees. Yeah, I, I mean, again, and that's what we're looking at. Look at that list. That list of twenty players, and the fact that they're still you know circling the top of the division is a freaking miracle. It really is. It's a miracle that we are where we are currently. I so I was doing this by memory, this list, and I got to like six. So I knew it was twenty. Uh, I saw somebody tweet out one of the beat reporters saying, "Oh, Morales makes it twenty on the season." And I was trying to make up the list on my own without like looking it up, and I got to sixteen. And then I realized like some of these guys who have been, who have gone on, like, "Oh yeah, Sabathia was on there. Oh yeah, Paxton was on there." So it just it it's crazy when you think about it. Gary Sanchez spent time on the injured list. It's yeah. There's a lot of guys that have just spent time on there, and and the, again, the way that they're playing, and that they've you know circumvented these injuries and and brought up guys that are playing out of their minds. To me, it's just a it's it's a it's a very good thing. And and look, looking forward, I've talked about this in the past, and you know we've both talked about that, and you've heard you've probably heard it in other places. But the fact that these injuries have happened, and these young guys have stepped up and and put in spots, and I know we're gonna revamp, and we're getting guys like Encarnacion and probably a pitcher, but the depth of this team now is is can't be understated the fact that they they are playing as deep as they are with all this major league experience now for guys that never would have had it is a big deal especially when you're going later in the season you get more guys banged up well now you have guys that you know can do the job and that have been in that situation before and to me when you're looking at a club that's fully you know top to bottom 25 man has a lot of experience all the way through that's a very very good thing uh, when you're approaching the playoffs yeah, the pitching depth, though. The pitching depth. I mean, the injuries, man, are killing them. They really are. No, I, I know that. You, you've got Severino out. Paxton missed miss some time. Um, but 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 this pitching depth is, is looking real thin right now. The problem with the pitching depth, too, is like you're, you're limited in the spots that you have as far as starting rotation. And you can, you know, hold so many guys as you can on the, on the, in, the, uh, in the bullpen as well. And most of the times, those guys can't really get stretched out and do much. Therefore, you have these opener situations. But uh, unless you have a ton of good pitchers, starting pitchers in the minor leagues, then it's any club's problem. It's always, if you have injuries in the starting rotation, this is what happens across baseball. You have to revamp with, with new guys. That's the only way you can get better unless people get healthy. And one thing I've noticed with the opener situation it this has happened in a few of the games that Green has started. The offense has been hot early in those games, which allows the Yankees to relax in the game and go to Nestor Cortez or David Hale. And I know Chance Adams was, was a guy, I think he did it in the doubleheader in Kansas City after the Yankees got a lead. And they can pitch comfortably with a 3-4-5 run lead. So that's a, that's a luxury you're not always going to have with an opener if they choose to use more openers is what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from the guys. Like David Hill, the fact that he's pitching well, surprising. Nestor Cortez, the fact that he's pitching well, surprising. I don't care what situation they're in. Yeah. So you, you, uh, you're saying that maybe if they give Nestor Cortez a start, a real start, might, see a might different not work guy. out so well. Hey, I mean, I, I just don't Do you know. Think, uh, mentally, for a guy like Nestor Cortez, you think that's a big, a big thing? 
I'm, probably, well, I'm just coming into a game in the middle of the game. I'm a relief pitcher versus I'm getting a start for the New York Yankees. Holy crap. I mean, I don't think it's, it's, it's like monumental like that. I mean, he's already wearing the uniform. He knows he knows the guys. It's it's I don't think it's like that. It's uh it, yeah, it's a different situation in the sense of preparation and setup and like getting ready. Um, not to say that he can't translate it into a start. But who the hell knows? It's just right now you're seeing David Hale and Nestor Cortez pitch way better than anybody in the world ever thought. I mean, Nestor Cortez literally was a a, a, a rule five guy that got released by the Orioles, that picked up by the Orioles, released by the Orioles after not doing well, and then picked up back by the Yankees, pitching well in the minor leagues and brought up and he's got another opportunity and taking advantage of it. So it's house money. That's what we're dealing with at this point with Nestor Cortez. Could we possibly, so the Yankees are going to finish up in Chicago, and then they're coming home for 10 games. Could this be the most important 10-game stretch of the season for the Yankees so far? Three against Tampa, who's a half game behind you. Four against Houston, who might be your biggest competition to go to the World Series. And then three against Toronto, who just took two out of three from you a couple weeks earlier. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a big stretch, you know, largest of the, of the season. I don't know. You have guys coming back, so that's, that's something as far as... Um, you know, your morale, you expect to be better because you have your two big boys coming back and plus this, this other trade. I mean, the Yankees have to pitch better. And, and if they do that, I think they're going to score a ton of runs, especially coming home like this. Um, but yeah, it's a big stretch in the sense that Tampa Bay is there, who's right at the top of the division, and, and then Houston. So it's a, as far as competition goes, it's a massive, it's a massive home series for, for where you think you are as a team. And you're getting guys back, so hopefully they, can't, they, don't, have, they don't show too much rust. And again, man, you got to pitch. If you're not going to pitch, they're gonna you're gonna get hit around. Well, it's also you're at the end of it. You go to London, yeah, with the All Star break around the corner, and then yeah, a ton it, of Boston. There's just a lot of things that could spiral out of control. I mean, London's going to be a circus for for these players. Yeah, it's almost a reset button though, because it's, it's like a, it's two day it's two days off, right? It's a is it two days off before or two days after? I think it's two days off before, and then two games, and then a day off after. So it, it, it's almost like. Another it, all-star like break. It's, it's an all-star break. It's going to feel like an exhibition, but the games mm-hmm. count. It's going to feel like a playoff atmosphere, but it's just a regular season. Yeah. But it's against the Red Sox. Like, it's, it's weird. It's strange. It's going to feel like a, a very long all-star break with some exhibition games in the middle. Because you have the all-star break coming up around the corner as well. You have the London series. You have Boston mixed in there because those games will count, and it's against the Red Sox. Um, so we're wearing home jerseys for a road game. Yeah, it's it's going to be extremely, it, you know, it's going to be different for all of these guys to to get into. Uh, their routines are all going to be thrown off. There's going to be a ton of media. So yeah, I think this week building up to it because of what the circus is coming, uh, you know, in the beginning at the end of June and the beginning of July. It's a it's a big it's a big series for them to not, you know, get into a hole because they're going to get some weird stuff happening. They're four and six in their last 10 games. And I looked this up actually. So judge, you talked about this with Coley Harvey judge left for Tampa. The, the night game against Boston that Clint Frazier had a circus adventures in the outfield. So including that Sunday night game, the Yankees are four and eight since judge left for Tampa for his rehab. Yep. So it's been a bad skid. They got to turn it around. Luckily Tampa has also not been playing great while the Yankees have been playing like this. Well, that's the, I think that's the silver lining in the sense that they haven't really buried themselves. I mean, Boston's come definitely closer to the top as well. I mean, they were, what, nine and a half, ten, ten games out they uh, were a couple nine, weeks ago? They were, they were nine games in the lost column, I believe, when they left the Bronx. 
and I think they're five and a half now out of uh, out of first, something like that. Anyway, they're they're a lot closer. They've 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 definitely cut the the deficit. So this is what we expected, though, right? We expected a dogfight. I don't think any of us expected Boston to go away. They're not going to go away. They have talent. They have pitching. They're gonna they're gonna come right back. Uh, and then especially with all of these games, which you know you'd think that the Yankees and the Red Sox would most likely split or get close to that. Um, but if they don't, I mean this this thing could change quickly. Why don't you give people a quick update on June twenty second event tickets? So June twenty second game, um, the the game is no, we're not we're not selling any more tickets for it. All of uh, the t shirts are printed and they're in the mail, and all the tickets will be coming out uh, this week. The QR code for those of you who have not that come to a game, we elect- electronically transfer the tickets. The QR code is available forty eight hours beforehand, and we usually transfer those tickets right around that time. Um, so that you guys have them, the the press, or I'm sorry, the box office transfers them all to our uh, Bronx Pinstripes account, and then we send them out individually. So that's that's kind of the process um, that we do, and then we make everybody uh, fit the jigsaw puzzle so everybody sits with the people that they want to. Uh, then after that, we have June 29th, which is the uh, there's a watch party in New York. You're going to be uh, kind of heading. I'm going to be there. You've been leading the charge on this one, so tell people about that. So it's going to be a Tavern 29, which is it's. It's in Midtown East. If you go, if you're outside of New York City, if you live in Westchester or in Long Island or in Jersey, it's a it's a quick uh, subway ride, or you could even walk it from Grand Central. We're getting together there for the one o'clock Saturday London game. I talked to the manager of the bar. We're gonna have some. Hopefully, it's nice out. We have some space outside. Big TV, uh, big big projector screen. I think with the sound on, it's gonna be a hell of a lot of fun. Um, it's you know there's no ticket you don't need a ticket but we're all getting together it's going to be it's going to be a fun atmosphere um probably like 20 to 25 people right now have confirmed that they're going to come um yes and and you don't have to i mean just you could show up too if we're if it's the last minute thing thing if you want it like yeah yeah, just come in say hi um gonna have uh probably gonna bring the bronx pinstripes flag so just look for that you'll see that uh, and then after that, and, and also the, the watch party, there's a, there's a bunch of watch parties going on for this London series too, across with the BP crew chapters. So definitely check that out. We'll be tweeting about it. Um, I know Colleen's going to put something up on the site about where you can watch if you're in a different city, but, but link up with your, your local chapter because there's a bunch of them out there. Um, and, uh, and definitely get together with these other guys, uh, to watch, watch these games. July 6th, this week is the last week, probably Wednesday. I'm cutting them off uh, for the Tampa Bay invasion. Um, we have over 50 tickets sold for this game. It's going to be a blast, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's the first thing that we're doing at an opposed organized thing that we're doing at an opposing stadium. So that's July 6th for Tampa Bay. Those tickets are 69 bucks. So go on the website and grab those tickets if you're in the Tampa area or feel like going down there for that weekend. And then July 20th, which is going to come up around the corner, is the Colorado game at Yankee Stadium is the, is the next uh, crew event. So get your tickets for that. One more date if you guys have not skipped the 15-second fast-forward point at, 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 this, uh, at this point. July 1st, the Yankees are not playing that night. It's the day after they play the London games. July 1st, the, the Rail Riders are in Pawtucket to play the Pawtucket Red Sox. Uh, the, the Rhode Island, Southern Massachusetts chapter is getting together. I'm going to be in Rhode Island at that time. So I'm going to go to that game. My dad's going to be at that game. Uh, your dad's going to be at that game. My dad's going to come to that game. Mm. It's a six o'clock game. Rail riders. Maybe, maybe we see Severino making a rehab start. That'd be nice. That'd be nice indeed. So if you're interested in coming to that tickets are 13 bucks, um, which is cheap. So, uh, come out, tweet me if you're interested and I'll, uh, send you the ticket information. All right, mailbags. If you guys want to submit mailbag questions, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast is the best way to do it. 
First up, Greg from Canada. He is a regular mailbagger. Hey guys, with the Yankees seemingly getting healthier, a 40-man roster crunch is coming. The Yankees currently have 49 players on their active roster. When players start coming off the 60-day IL and have to be put back on the active 40-man roster, what happens? Who gets let go? When Severino, Heller, Montgomery, Patances all come off, someone important, not Bird or Ellsbury or Tulo, have to go. Who should it be? We kind of just mentioned this with, um, I mean, Morales is an easy one. You're gone, Morales. That's, uh, can you release somebody while he's currently on the injured list? Is that like, a, is that taboo? Is that frowned upon? Is that frowned upon? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if it's frowned upon. I don't think so. I don't really, it's like, it's like, uh, just cutting him because he's, it happens in the NFL all the time, but NFL is ruthless. The NFL is, but you know, at this point, the Yankees need to be ruthless. They're, they got no room for injured players, especially old guys who can't hit and run and field and do anything. Well, what we might also see, and Cashman is notorious for this, is like the last man on the 40-man roster gets traded for like international bonus money. Yeah, we see that happening a lot. Uh, well, and you know, the, 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 he looks at what's going to happen for the Rule 5, who's on the 40, who they can protect, who they can't protect, and I think he makes deals depending on that as well. Um, Mike Talkman's another guy who's on the, who's on the 40 that that's in, you know, really hasn't done jack. I mean, he can play defense, but he can't hit. Um, I don't really see the value for a guy like him when we have, uh, you know, plenty of outfielders at this point that can that can play but again you're looking at you know other trades like Cameron Mabin possible trade uh possibly Clint Frazier I mean or just or, or just let's be honest Cameron maybe just maybe possible release I mean th- he's definitely built up enough value I think where he can be traded for um someone's gonna want him I mean he's he's definitely done well so two guys that I'm looking at in addition to Clint Frazier if they're going to indeed trade for a pitcher Tyler Wade and Tario Estrada Estrada's a, a guy that you know, Cashman has talked about this in the past where he could play shortstop for another team. I think other shortstops or other teams see him as a shortstop on their on their team. And he's proved that he could play in the pros. So he's a very valuable piece. Tyler Wade, I think you have, Tyler Wade is a throw in at this point to, to sweeten is. a deal, sweeten a deal for some team who's getting maybe Clint Frazier. And you'll say, OK, we'll throw in Tyler Wade, who might turn into something for you guys. But the Yankees have given Tyler Wade ample opportunity yeah. to try and be something at the major league level and he hasn't done it for them he hasn't been able to be that role player that they want him to be so that's why Estrada's they're gonna move up. they're gonna move on from him eventually like how long can you keep having this guy come into spring training battling for a roster spot I mean as long as they have him under control they could do it but the and if they don't have uh you know a, a good option to to get rid of him but the, you know the other thing is is that Estrada has built up more value at this point now than than Wade like he projects as a guy that could come in there and probably play every day for for a team. He's he's got a you know the bat he built the bat up plays. he built himself up some real value with Absolutely. how he played in May. Yeah, so there, that'll be interesting to see what Cashman does with with uh, with Tyro Estrada. Yeah, the, and I I think that's in the, in the collection of names we just said is what you're going to see happen. Yeah. So and the, I mean you're also looking at he was talking about Severino Heller Montgomery, Potances um, Montgomery's definitely going to be coming back. You know he's throwing now. Um, Severino, we really do hope that he's coming back, you know, s- close after the, the all-star break. Heller is throwing again too. Batantis, another guy that we're circling, um, as coming back, hopefully, but again, he, we need to, to, sh- he needs to show that he's healthy and can go ramp up again and not have discomfort. Um, but he's probably the most sketchy of them all at this point, just kind of where he is. And the fact that he's had a setback. 
So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, but I think there's going to be uh, moves. Like, again, this Encarnacion thing is, to me, like a precursor to what's going to happen. I think we're going to see a flurry of moves. Next up is from Lacey. If the Yankees were to end up meeting the Astros in the playoffs, what would they need to improve to be able to beat them? It's going out and getting start is going out and getting starting pitching absolutely imperative. Yes. Also, would it be possible for the Yanks to get both Mad Max and Mad Bum? What would have to be dealt in order to get them uh, to get both or either of them? So I'm going to I'm going to I'm not I'm not just targeting this at Lacey. This is at all of the Yankee fans out there that just will not stop talking about Max Scherzer and Madison Bumgarner. Just because they are or insert huge insert best name available in not even available best name in baseball best name in baseball. I had someone tweet me when they found out that uh, Lucas Giolito was starting against the Yankees. They probably Googled Lucas Giolito and, and saw his ERA was great and it was having a good season. And they said, "Oh, the White Sox aren't going to win the World Series this year, so they should trade us their best pitcher." Yeah, remember when people were doing it last year with Tampa and Blake Snell? It, it, it infuriates me that Yankees fans, a lot of them out there, just think that whoever, the, like you said, the superstar is, belongs on the Yankees because the, they are the Yankees. Like, other teams have superstars and don't want to trade Max Scherzer. Like, I know Ken Rosenthal just wrote something that what would need to happen if um, the Nationals trade Max Scherzer. But if you read that article, literally the first sentence is... Nationals president, I forget his name, has said many times, we do not want to trade Max Scherzer. So until that changes, I don't think Max Scherzer is getting traded. You're also looking at a team that didn't trade Bryce Harper in a, in a, in a position where they pretty much knew he wasn't going to resign. I mean, I, I have to believe that internally they, they had a, a very good feeling of what was going to happen, especially considering that the way that they offered that, that contract and it was turned down so fast. So yeah, they're... And, and look, they have a lot of young talent on that team. Why? I know they're not in it this year. But they are, you know, they're eight games out, something like that, of the first. The wild card is a jumbled mess, so probably not going to be in there. But they have talent. They have young talent on that team with some uh, – they just signed Corbin long, long-term. They have uh, Scherzer, pretty good one, too. You'd think that they would want to hold on to those guys, so it's not a, a very clear thing that they're going to the trade. Plus, you're going to have to give up assets and take on a stupid amount of money for Max Scherzer. Deferred money. Not much Deferred is going to Deferred money. Not, my, not many teams are going to do that. Yankees aren't. And do I that. know on the faces of it, like the Giants should trade Madison Baumgartner because the Giants stink and aren't going to be good anytime soon. But I know their ownership has said we love Madison Baumgartner. He is want him to be a Giant for life. And also Madison Baumgartner, we've said this a thousand times, is not 2014 Madison Baumgartner. This is not superhero Madison Baumgartner anymore. He has been a more average starting pitcher this year. I mean, that one doesn't make as much sense to me. Like, I think that you're looking at that team and where they are, and, and it doesn't make sense for them not to trade. Are them. you comfortable trading away a package that would possibly include Estevan Florial and Clint Frazier for Madison Baumgartner? No, I, I don't want to give up those two for Madison Baumgartner. No, I do not. Don't, don't you think that's what they would ask for? Probably. Okay, so... I'm if saying, I'm saying trading if I'm the away, Giants, I would trade him. That is what I'm saying. You know, so I, know, I think but that if you, he's going to be floated out there. I don't think Scherzer's a real thing. But Bumgarner, I think, is a real thing if you're willing to give up what um, what they're asking for, which is probably – and if they're saying they love him, they love him, they love him, they're going to ask for a ton. And obviously, if the price comes down for Madison Bumgarner, yeah. jump on it. Yes. But, but I don't see the price coming down, and he is not a good enough pitcher this year to trade away all those assets for. 
you're going to be trading away top assets in the organization, you better be getting a top pitcher back. So and I don't know who that is because there are it, the problem is certainly with the second wild card, it makes thing it makes the contending teams it it pushes the contending teams down a lot. And a, a lot of teams can make an argument here in the middle of June, we're still in this thing. A lot of them can can absolutely say that they're still in this, but there's also a lot of uh, congestion when you're looking at the wild cards. And not only the congestion, but they're good teams in a lot of, especially the National League. You look at the National League wild card situation and, and where people are, where teams are in the top of their division. There's a lot of teams competing for, you know, five spots and good teams that are probably not going to fall off. So if you're looking at some of these fringe teams like, um, you know, possibly Colorado, Arizona, uh, St. Louis even, like that's where you're, you're, you're going to see maybe in the next couple weeks, few weeks, if, if that becomes more of a clear situation and they fall, you know, five, six games out of the, the last wild card spot, knowing what's ahead of you, you could start seeing some players that are, are going to pop up. And I think that's where the value will be. You'll see more guys pop up in these big names um, that the Yankees could possibly go after. So like Robbie Ray is a guy that I had in my offseason plan that's an arbitration three guy, uh, controlled through 20, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, controlled through 20, his free agent year is 21. And if the Arizona falls out of it, I could see them, you know, fielding offers for a guy like Robbie Wright, who I think could come in and, and be helpful. And, you know, he's got experience. He doesn't throw a ton of innings. He, 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 he'll throw five, six innings. That's more where he is. But he's electric. Like, guy's got some good stuff. And I could see them, um, you know, dealing with a guy like that. And I could see the Yankees being interested in that. Especially because he still has another year of team control. Absolutely. And, you know, he's having, he's having a good year. I'm looking at, at his, um, you know, his, 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 just what the games look like. Uh, he's, he's throwing five, six innings, you know, he's gotten into the seventh inning a couple times, but you're, you're seeing a guy that, that has a lot of strikeouts, um, giving up some runs, but again, a, a quality pitcher that's got electric stuff that I think could help this team out. And I don't think it's going to it's not going to really give up. You may have to give up some some good prospects, but I'm not necessarily sure you have to give up your top prospects for a guy like Robbie Ray. Next question is from Willie. Should the Yankees release Luis Sessa? He was in, he was inconsistent and really bad recently. That's a guy we didn't even mention when talking about who could be an opener and in the middle of the game because so, he's been really bad. Like like Willie said, 31 innings pitched this year, 6'10 ERA, 559 FIP. He's allowing 10.2 home runs per nine. He's walking way too many batters, 4.1 walks per nine innings. And he's been a negative war player, minus 0.4 war so far in the season. Yeah. So this is a guy that, uh, the, of my predictions that have gone well, Luis Sessa is the one that's not going well. Like, I, was, I, was, I was hoping that he was going to have that resurgence that year that he'd figure it out like we've seen in the past with some of the Penn guys. No. Sessa's not doing well. He's not putting it together. So another guy on the 40, man, that can definitely get released. And I think you're going to start to to look at that and see that, that he's going to be an option. I know that he doesn't have any more options to go to the minor leagues, but he's going to be an option, a candidate for release or another one of these deals where you see Sessa gets traded for money, international pool, whatever the hell it is. Maybe not even that much a player to be named later to the pirates. Like that's a deal I could absolutely expect. For, for cash considerations. For cash, right. for, yeah, player to be named later or cash considerations, yeah. All right, do you want to address this last, uh, it's not a question, it's it's just apparently you were wrong about something, yeah. so I want to hear about this. All right, so I was at a uh, minor league game with Alex Filippini, and uh, it was a stupid bet. It was not even like a big thing. I just, this is just, this, this is what 
I think everybody needs to realize when you have a show like this and you're talking about the Yankees every single week and then during the season twice a week, it's hard to like gauge time, at least for me. <laughs> like the, yeah, how, we think how things happened like three happened. years ago and yeah. it was last year. Right. So I don't even know how we were talking about the NBA finals or something. And uh, Trace Thompson came up, who was the younger or the twin brother or brother. I don't even know what he is of um, of the uh, of Thompson on the on the Golden State Warriors. Anyway, whatever. We were talking about Trace Thompson coming up. I said uh, that was last year. Alex said, yeah, it's 2018. I was like, no way. That 2017 had to happen when that trade happened with um, Oakland, I think it was. And no, it was the beginning of 2018, sure. So I was wrong. And I said the bet was that I'd say it on the podcast. So here I am, wrong about Trace Thompson. Don't care. <laughs> well, it's not the first thing you've been wrong about. So after you were wrong 50 times, it doesn't matter anymore. Especially Trace Thompson. I don't even think it was like he was on the on the, on the team for, like theoretically on the team for like a, a couple days. You getting nervous about DJ 20 home runs? No, not at all. He slowed down. Yeah, but do you know how much protection? Do you know how much how many more good pitches he's going to see over the heart of the plate when he's in that leadoff spot now? And Judge is back. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You you should be worried because <laughs> he's going to get meatballs over the plate, and he's going to be putting them, serving them in Yankee Stadium over right field fence. I hope so, as long as he ends the year 19 home runs and maybe maybe just like a bunch of balls off the top of the wall for RBI doubles. Look, we're going to see Glaber Torres potentially in the nine spot, Aaron Hicks in the nine spot. There's a, a possibility of that. When you no, they're, gonna bet, they're not going to bet Hicks ninth. They love Hicks too much to do that. It, it, it's just a, it's just interesting how it's going to play out because there's really not a lot of bad moves that you can make with the with the way that the roster is going to or the lineup's going to pan out. Uh, but if Lemayhew's in that top of that lineup, which I think he should be, uh, and you're seeing it's going to be him and Aaron Hicks most likely, but with with Stanton and Judge back, a lot of support there. All right, that's going to do it for us. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Happy Father's Day to you, Scott. You're a dad, and uh, looks like you're going to Parts Unknown, Area 51, for the next like 48 hours. So you're going to be in a media blackout. I will be in a media blackout, most likely for you know in the evenings. I'll be available, but yeah, for the for the most part, if anything happens during the day, not going to hear from me. All right, we'll talk to you Thursday. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.